There's two things that I have to say. There's two prophetic words the Lord gave me. I'm just going to speak them, and you must take it and meditate on it. And just, if it applies, do what you ever feel God's telling you to do. But these are the two words God said to me. The one's a vision of a train leaving a station. Right? Train leaving a station. The people on the station must get on board. Does that make sense? If they don't get on board, they will be left behind. Amen. So just think about that. The train of life goes ahead. We have to get on board. You go to the station and stand there. The train comes in and you watch it go. The next train comes in, you watch it go. The porter's going to ask you, sir, are you lost? No, I'm waiting for the train to the next station. Well, the train's coming, but what have you got to do? Get on board. Okay, that's the one. The other vision I had was of somebody walking, just walking, and there's a piece of grit in the shoe. The tacky, whatever you want to call it. You have a choice. If you keep on walking, what's going to happen? That piece of grit is going to cause a blister. If you still keep on walking, that blister is going to become infected. You still keep on walking, you could ultimately end up losing your foot and your leg and your life. You understand? What is the right thing to do? Even though it might seem inconvenient, stop. Can you see that? Take out the grit. It is common sense, but we miss it. You see? Take it out. That's what the Lord is saying. I don't know how it applies. We must move on. Okay? Stop. Take the trouble to stop. You see, we want to just keep going. Stop. Take it out. Then keep going. And everything will be fine. Amen? Amen. Praise be to God. All right. Let's go. Matthew 4, 1 to 13. Matthew 4, 1 to 13. Let's do it. We all know this scripture. It's about the temptation of Christ. When he started his ministry, God had to prepare him 40 days. 40 is the number for preparation. 40 years in the wilderness. Don't think about it, but there it is. All right, Matthew chapter 4. Then Yeshua was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. I would also be hungry, but anyway. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's note, that's the devil quoting scripture, okay? Quite a thought. Yeshua said to him, It is written, again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Yeshua said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. 
Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand your word. Thank you that no force of darkness will stop this word from reaching our hearts and all those within the sound of my voice. All right, now the title of this message is Keeping the Right Perspective. Keeping the Right Perspective. When we were doing the Bible study on Thursday, we were discussing this fruit of the Spirit, self-control. That translation doesn't do it justice at all. That self-control, it talks more about resilience, all right? about being able to keep afloat when the storms of life hit us. And there's a whole teaching on that which we haven't time to go into. But the illustration God gave me just to try and describe the essence of that fruit of the Holy Spirit is many of you, I'm sure all of us will know about the cowboys and the Texans and the rodeos. And one of the events in the rodeo is what they call bronco busting. They take these wild horses, they put the wild horse in a hook, and then these cowboys get on top of this horse and then they let the horse go. And that horse has never been ridden. There's irritation on its back and it bucks and it goes wild. And the key is to be able to just stay on the horse, you see, to stay on the horse despite this great energy. I think those horses are stupid. You know why? If I was one of them, you know what I'd do? Very simple. Placidly walk out and just roll over. <laughs> Quicker way to get rid of an irritation, don't you think? But anyway, I'm not a horse. Thank God. The point is that in the turmoil of life, it's important to be able to keep a focus and to keep going. Now, we all know there's a lot of turmoil around and we face a lot of issues in the world, in the country, everything. We've been through all of that before. But you see, this ability to keep the right perspective, all right, to keep the right perspective is a way through. It helps us to go through and stay the right way up. Amen? It's almost like in the old days, the ships, they'd have a star that they would set in their navigation and say, okay, whatever's happening around us, just keep that star at the right bearing, you see? Like a lodestone if you're looking for your directions or compass. You see, having the right perspective will help you and I in every situation we face to come through the right way. All right? Now, let me just tell you, the devil is aware of that. And his main strategy, one of his key strategies, one of his little techniques is to throw your and my perspective out, you see. And when our perspective has been set upside down, we make wrong choices. You do the wrong thing, and that causes problem. The classic example I can describe is road rage. What is that about? In that situation, when people get all upset because of their pride or whatever, they lose perspective. And they do things which have sometimes consequences throughout their life. In that split second, people get killed, maimed, everything. All because of, in a split second, they lost their perspective. You understand? And didn't realize, listen, it doesn't matter if I get there before you or he gets there before me, or if his car's bigger than mine, or if I'm right or he's wrong. Or You understand? We're coming back from Joburg. I mean, it was late at night. I don't know that part of the world. And trying to get back on the highway, we went to a show that Sarah was involved with at UJ. And so we're coming back from that area, which I don't know, 
and we want to get on the highway to get back to Pretoria. It's quite late at night, and we're driving along, and I see the sign, Pretoria. So what do I do? Indicate, and I turn, which is quite normal, don't you think? It was a BMW, Bankrotma, Windgat, and he was behind me, but he saw me as swerving in front of him, you see. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. This individual got so upset. I'm carrying on my merry way, defensive driving. He comes with his vehicle. In front of me, in this way, and that way. And he comes. Oh, this is true. Okay, this is a grown adult, brother, I think. Anyway, we're on the highway, and he comes past me, you see, and he drives next to me. And I won't say what sign he gave me, but it was... <laughs> he spoke sign language. <laughs> I assume it was swearing. <laughs> but now, what was my response? Because I know this, you understand? Keep my eyes looking straight ahead. Just keep going. Defensive driving. Ignore it. You understand? Not try and edge him off the road or take out a pistol, fake gun and wave it in the air and, you know, use sign language in response. Can you understand? That sort of behavior, what caused that? You lose perspective. You understand? This is a highway. Cars are traveling around us. It takes just two seconds for something to go wrong. Can you see that? By keeping the right perspective, I don't care if I'm in the right or if I'm in the wrong, if he's got an attitude or not, that doesn't matter. Can you see that? That doesn't matter. What does matter? Just getting home safely. That's the right perspective. Can you see that? And because of that, I think it saves a lot of accidents and things from happening. So you see, we've got to learn that in any situation, you and I need to keep the right perspective. All right? We keep the right perspective, then we are able to make the right choices. Amen? Now, if you look at the life of Christ, you see, that's what he did all the time. Because he had in his mind the right God perspective on things. Amen? Because he had God's perspective on things, he behaved often in a way that you and I find quite strange. Okay? But you see, what we've got to realize is he's looking at the situation from the way God sees it, not the way man sees it. Amen? And we have to be the same. Because, you see, what is the right perspective? We're going to talk about it in certain areas. But, you see, the right perspective is basically not to see things from a human perspective, but to see things from God's perspective. And can I just tell you something right now? That when you and I operate like that, it won't make sense to many people. This goes through the whole of the Bible, actually. Great leaders always made decisions based on the right perspective. Amen? The devil always comes along and tries to twist that perspective. Because you see, if he can just get us to get the wrong perspective, we react in the wrong way and it can wreck everything. Amen? It can wreck everything. You look at Moses. I mean, there he is. He's grown up in Pharaoh's court. He's had it all. Everything a young man could want, he's the son of the Pharaoh. All right? However, the problem is, he's not part of this outfit. He's a Hebrew. And his Hebrew people are being terribly persecuted. Can you see? 
So here he is, and the Bible speaks about this. He could have chosen to say, listen, I'm happy with my life. The Hebrew slaves, sorry for you. Sorry for you. Can you see? However, Moses viewed it with the right godly perspective. Can you see that? Because he saw it from God's perspective, he forsook everything he had and chose to become an outcast. But ultimately, what did he do? He saved the whole nation. He rescued an entire nation. Can you see that? What would the devil have liked him to do? Just lose sight of the right perspective and live your life. Can you see that? Let me tell you, that's exactly what the devil does to every single one of us here. All the time. Just change our perspective. Can you see? Look at Joseph. I mean, here he is growing up. He's been rejected by his brothers. He's got this wonderful dream, all right? And the dream did come to pass, but he's got this wonderful dream. His brothers turn on him, throw him into a pit. He gets carried away as a prisoner, sold as a slave, ends up in Potiphar's house, and we know the story. Potiphar's wife thinks this is a good-looking young man, and you know the story. Right there, what could have happened? He could have said, well, this is a good deal. All right? I'm in. Make the most of my situation, and who knows what this could lead to. I could become the owner of Potiphar's entire setup, etc. But you understand, if he had done that, what would have happened? For that split second, he would have to have done what? Taken his eyes off the right perspective, which was the dream God had given him. Can you see that? Had that happened, guess what? That dream would have just collapsed in a pile of dust. And that's the strategy of the devil all the time, you see. But what is our responsibility? To have and to maintain the right perspective in every situation. Can you see that? And that will be like a guiding star that will see us through. Even though at the time it might seem the wrong thing to do. Amen? It might make people look at us rather strange. Janet and I have experienced quite a few rather strange looks. Amen? From family and so-called friends. Hallelujah. But we realize that's par for the course. Now listen, this is the strategy. Let's look at the Lord himself. I mean, here we have the Lord in the wilderness. All right? He's gone through this terrible, stressful time of nothing to eat and being on his own and all the, the stress of that. And we know the temptation. Just turn this into the stone into bread. You can just see him looking at this stone. I'm sure the devil came and took a stone that looked like a nice loaf of bread. Put it in front of him. There we go. Make this easy for you. Just snap your fingers and this becomes a nice crusty loaf. Right there I would have snapped both fingers and said, lay it on me. But you see, in that split instance, what was the choice? Forsake the great call, you see, lose the perspective that God wants you to have. And he could just come back with the scriptures, all right? So there we go. But the other one was jump off the temple and another temptation. We won't go into that one. The one I want to focus on is the high mountain, all right? Now, yeah, Satan comes and he says, all of this I will give you. He was the Lord of the earth at that stage. He was the God of the world. Notice the Lord didn't say to him, no, no, you can't do that. I own it. 
Because he couldn't say that. You know why? Mankind had sold out. That's why Satan said, this is mine. I can give it to you. Can you see that? Now listen. What was the promise that the Lord had on this earth? You will rule the earth. All right? Can you see that? The two look exactly the same, don't they? Can you see that? Just, just do what I say and you can have it without the cross. Amen? Can you see that was the temptation? The easy way. The devil will always come and try and get us to change the right perspective by offering us the easy way. Do you see the pattern? Notice that. But listen, this is how it works. He comes with all his bluster. All right? And he says, look, this can all be yours. And he paints such a beautiful picture. Amen? But then always, there's just a little catch. Can you see that? Just a little catch. Which if we lose our perspective, we'll fall for. We'll fall for it. Can you see that? What was the little catch? Well, just bow down to me. Won't take long. <laughs> Five seconds and it's done. That's all. Five seconds and it's done. No cross, but all the glory. Can you see that? Very crafty, isn't it? And very often the enemy comes to you and I, and he says things like, I can give you all of this. You see? And you think, wow, must be God, almost. Can you see? Must be God. But always there's just this little catch. And you see, the moment we fall for the catch, guess what happens? All of this becomes a complete illusion. Disappears. Disappears. Kenneth Hagin describes how he had this couple that he knew he was in the ministry, the man and his wife. The devil started to put little thoughts in her mind. Okay? Kenneth Hagin had a vision about it, like a little speck of a thought. And the thought was, you know what? You're in the ministry and you're having a rough life. The clothes aren't so good. The food's not so good. There's no glamour. But you're a beautiful lady. Just think. Just think. There's lots of men out there that would love to take you on, so to speak. You see? And this started as a little thought. But it grew bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually what did she do? She fell for it, you see. Now, what was that all about? Painting a beautiful picture, you see? But what's the catch? All you've got to do is forsake this religious character who's not going anywhere. You get it? This fuddy-duddy old geriatric. The point is, can you see? The catch was just, just do that, doesn't matter. Forsake. And what happened? She fell for it and was destroyed accordingly. All right. Now, what I'm trying to say is, in the Lord's life, you'll see very often he does things. He does things. And you wonder, why did he do that? And the way to understand it is to try and enter in and realize what was God's perspective in that. Amen? What was God's perspective? The example we often talk about is this dear fig tree. You know the fig tree, everybody says, why did he curse the poor fig tree? Does everybody know the story? Goes to the temple on the way there, he's hungry. He wants to pop in for some fast food. But the fast food shop is open, it looks good, but they say, sorry, no food. That's the fig tree 
in sort of common parlance. So he says, okay, be that as it may, nobody will eat from you again. He carries on. Goes into the temple, wipes out a whole lot of tax collectors, wada wada, comes back the next day and the disciples notice the fig trees withered up and down. You see, now the tree huggers of the earth would be shocked. The environmental rages would be shocked. How can you destroy part of this mother earth? You understand? What's the problem? Wrong perspective. See it from God's perspective. Please understand, he made everything. He rules the universe. This fig tree is supposed to be working for him. You get it? This fig tree is supposed to be working for him. How would you feel as an employer if you come in and you find your employee hasn't done the work? I mean, you want to go to an important meeting. You're there in the morning. Where the papers? Oh, sorry, sir, I was parting last night. Well, I want the papers. But you know, it's night. I'm, I'm off duty. You understand? I'm off duty. The fig tree wasn't seasoned for the figs. You paid a lot of money to make sure that this thing works. You understand? So if you have to work overtime now and then, that's part of the deal. You understand? Can you see? From his perspective, God expected this thing. And he used the opportunity to teach everybody an important lesson. That lesson we can learn even today about what you say is what you get, basically. And that fig tree, it was sacrificed in a sense for the sake of that lesson. Can you see the perspective? Does everybody grasp this? You see, we must be able to see things from God's perspective. The other classic example is Lazarus. Lazarus is dying. The Lord knows about it. They send a message. And when he knows that he's about to die, what does he do? What does he do? Like phoning the pastor. Pastor, my, my daughter's very ill in hospital. What is the natural reaction? What would you expect from a loving minister of God? I'm on my way. In the car. What did this loving minister of God, God himself, do? He said to the disciples, we're not going yet. What? We're not going yet. Took four days to get there. Does that make sense in the natural? No. But you see, if you look at him from a natural perspective, he didn't do the right thing. But from God's perspective, he had to, had to, had to. And the Bible says this because of your belief. He had to plant faith in their lives, that somebody could come back from the dead. Do you know that? He had to do it. Even though it caused them pain and suffering, he had to do that. Even though he loved them, he had to do that. Why? The bigger picture, the right perspective. One day he'd be cold in the grave. God would have to have some faith on the earth to be able to bring him back. Did you know that? So he had to sow that faith in their lives. And that's why I asked Mary and Martha, do you think I can do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And they gave him a good half answer. You know what a good half answer is? <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but they gave it. There was a modicum, if I can call it that, of faith in the earth. Do you know that? So God could raise his son. Had he said, I'm coming, healed Lazarus before he died, that wouldn't have happened. And guess what? When he died, there'd be no faith on the earth to bring him back. He wouldn't have been able to do it. He had to save the world. Can you see the perspective? Can we all see that? It's very important. 
And you and I are living life. If we can maintain the right perspective in every situation, let me tell you, you'll go through situations, people might laugh at you, but you'll go through and looking back you'll say, you know what, I did the right thing. Amen? I did the right thing. Okay, now, let's just look at a few instances. I've got seven of them. In every single situation of life, you and I have to bear something in mind. What will this do for my eternal salvation? Amen? And not only my salvation, but the salvation of others. Amen? You're facing a choice. Maybe you've exposed to some form of temptation. What is the right perspective? What is the wrong perspective? Man, I really enjoy this. This is what I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> All right? Not to say that God doesn't want to bless us. But what is the question? What is the right perspective? What will this do for my eternal salvation? Amen? And not only my salvation, but the salvation of those around me. Amen? I've got a very good friend. Well, they're moving to Australia now, but he's very... Hale and hearty kind of person, always joking and enjoying life, etc. And I discovered something about him. When we were with people, he was very, how shall we say, hale and hearty, hale fellow, well met and all that. And he could talk with people and very good. He was in sales, so very good people skills. But the moment somebody made some sort of joke about hell, you see, or heaven, he'd go very quiet, very quiet. And so, are you okay? And he said, listen, there's one thing I will not joke about. I will not joke about your eternal salvation. You understand? I will not joke about that. This whole issue of alcohol. You know, I had one man, he came to me in the church, he said, this sacramental wine, is it alcoholic? Or is it not? <laughs> that is what you call a loaded question. What was he really asking? Can I carry on with my drinking habit? <laughs> you see, because we do it in church, so why not do it at home? You understand? Now listen, you can go into great depths and there's a whole lot of issues about it and some people say yes and some people say no and blah de blah de blah But if you read the Bible, what is the real issue? In Corinthians, Paul speaks about eating meat sacrificed to idols. And he just says this, that the real issue is is if it affects the faith of those around you, don't eat it. As far as whether it's right or wrong, it couldn't care less. doesn't matter. But if it's going to affect somebody's faith, don't touch it. Can you see that? The same with alcohol. Listen, can I just say, generally speaking, the closer you and I get to God, the less you want to do, have anything to do with it. That's the general principle. But there's no strict rule, okay? You cannot say that. The Lord himself turned water into alcoholic wine, not grape juice. It wouldn't have been wine if it wasn't alcoholic. You understand? What was the issue on that occasion? The party must go on. You see, the host would be embarrassed. That was the perception. But you see, to keep everything in the right perspective, I've been known to drink a beer or two in the past. Did I go to hell as a man of God? I don't do it anymore, but the point I'm trying to make is, I can do it if I want to. It's not a problem. It's not an issue with God. What is an issue? 
What is an issue? If I'm sitting in an environment where there's somebody there and I know for a fact they have a problem with alcohol. You understand? Then for me to just touch or even look at alcohol is an issue. Why? Can you see? The right perspective is it's not about me. It's about the eternal salvation. Do you understand that? That's the issue. We've got to have the right perspective. If we get so dogmatic about these things, we become legalistic. That was the problem with the Pharisees. Did you know that? When you and I have the wrong perspective, one way or the other, we become very dogmatic. And we become, how shall I say, starchy. This whole issue of healing somebody on the Sabbath. Oh, what a sin. You've broken the law. Can you see that? What was their perspective? You mustn't break the law. Can you see that? Sounds good, doesn't it? The laws of Moses. We've got the law of Moses separates us from every other nation on earth. We dare not break the law. Do you understand? What is the right perspective? From God's perspective, if the law stops somebody from getting healed, forget about the law. You understand? On the Sabbath, you will look after somebody. Can you see that? You will look after your ox, you will look after your donkey. What's wrong about healing a man? What is the right perspective? From God's perspective, what is right? Get the person healed. Amen? Help them. Imagine if a house, I always use this example, next door burns down, but it happens to be while we are holding our holy convocation on the Sabbath. Oh, let them burn. They deserve it. They're going to hell. We're spending time with God. Do you understand? Legalism. It's the Lord's day. Us holy ones will continue with the holy fire. Let them enjoy the fire of hell. Is that the right perspective? What is the right perspective? Forget about the service. Forget about everything. Can we help you people put the fire out? Help you get stuff out of the house. Amen? Can you see? Having the right perspective makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Talk about dress code. Dress code. Amen? The wrong perspective either way can cause damage. For ladies, dress unbecomingly. I've heard people say, oh, well, the males must sort themselves out. It's their problem, not mine. And that's true. They should sort themselves out. You're quite right. But it's not your job to make it harder for them to sort themselves out. Do you understand? You could cause your brother to sin. Amen? But the other side of the coin, let me tell you, and probably even worse, oh, we must now dress in a sack because we're the holy sister and sisters. In Christ, keep a duck on our head, look all holy. That's equally wrong. Why? People take one look at that and say, if that's God, I don't want anything to do with it. You chase people away. Why? The wrong perspective. Can you see that? What is the right perspective? Let me dress appropriately to give glory to my God and not cause my brother to sin. And God's happy. Amen? And if you have a different color scheme to somebody else and you dress in a different way, that's God's nature in you. Are you picking this up? Can you see how important this perspective is? When we get the wrong perspective, we start operating dysfunctionally. We might think we're very holy. We might think we're very free. But at the end of the day, what are we doing for others? Amen. That's the right godly 
perspective. Amen. So that's salvation. The next one is the word. In any situation, what is the right perspective to have? What does the Bible say? Amen. That is the right perspective. From the spirit and the letter of the word, what does God say? Amen. That is the right perspective. So you find yourself in a situation, be it in church or elsewhere, and the issue is something, you've got to make a choice. Well, what is a good way to look at it? Well, what does the word of God say? Amen. Can you see, in this church we made a decision. Everything we do, we do with the perspective of what we see written in the Bible. Amen. You might say, oh, well, every church does that. For your information, we've discovered, no, they don't. Why? They come across some issue in the Bible and say, well, we've never done it that way before. It's out of my comfort zone. Can you see that? Won't catch me raising my hands in church because where I come from, we are introverts and we like to worship God in the holy manner of our forefathers. Can you see? Don't tell me that this wild demonstration of emotion is from God. Well, what is the issue? What is the issue? Not what you feel or what we think. What does the Bible say? Amen? Study the Bible. Let me tell you something. The word for praise, I love this. One of the words translated as praise is to spin around under the influence of a violent emotion. Hallelujah. <laughs> that would be a service when we all start googling. A Holy Ghost rave. We've been to a few things like that. Can I be honest with you? I've instigated a few of these sort of things. And everybody had a ball. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. But what's the issue? What I think? What the church has been doing for the last 500 years? What would be comfortable? No, that's all irrelevant. You understand? What is the right perspective? What does God think about it? Let me tell you, talking about praise. Praise from God's perspective is loud, it's noisy, and it's really very active. Make a joyful noise, raise your hands, go holy hullabaloo. <laughs> and if you don't like it, don't go to heaven. Don't go, don't set foot there. Don't set foot there. Heaven is a noisy place. You understand? That's God's perspective. So all the affairs of life, what does the Bible say? I mean, that is the right perspective. And if you hold on to that, let me just say this. Hold on to that perspective. It will see you through. Amen? Because God's perspective is always what's best for you and I. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm getting there. Number three, time. You and I need to approach time with the right perspective. Did you know that? We need to approach time with the right perspective. What is the right godly perspective? Your and my life is but a drop in a bucket. Amen? A drop in a bucket. Let's get this into our brains. What is the right perspective? We are going to spend an eternity, an eternity, one way or the other. Amen? One way or the other. An eternity, for your information, is quite a long time. It's a little bit longer than this service is going to be. 
But what am I saying? You and I must use our time with that in mind, with that perspective. The time I've got, am I using it for the benefit with an eternal viewpoint? Amen? Or am I just living for now and the short term? You all see that? Can you see? It's so important. This whole lesson on its own, I haven't got time to go there. But you see, look at it from that perspective. We're only here for a short time. What does that mean? We've got to get as much done for him while we're here. Amen? You can't fool around. We haven't got all the time in the world to serve him here on this earth and make a difference on this earth. Once we're out of this system, guess what? We can't affect it anymore. Time is short, and yet time is long. You understand? We've got to have the right perspective on time. We have to have the right perspective on time. It's a known fact that people, as they get towards the end of the year, wish that they had more time. They will do anything just for a few more minutes on this earth. They realize how valuable time actually is. Can you see that? The right perspective on time is that it's something that is consumable and you'll never get it back. It's quite a thought, isn't it? If you have that perspective, you won't waste time. What do we mean by wasting time? Not making time productive. You own my time on this earth. The wrong perspective will result in us wasting a lot and a lot of time and we end up with what? Regrets. Great regrets, if only. Have you heard that phrase? If only. If only. In heaven there's going to be quite a few if onlys. Do you want to be an if only? No. No. But what does it take? The right perspective. You understand? There's stuff we've got to do here. We've got to do it. Amen. Let me move on. Praise God. Each one of these is a sermon on its own. Okay, eternal values. Four values. Number four, eternal values, resources, money, cash. What's so important is to have the right perspective. Once again, you can go one way or you can go the other. The other is money is everything. Money is my God. Can you see that? Is that the right perspective? There was this funeral, you see, wealthy man going through the city in the hearse and two beggars are watching him. And the one says to the other, how much did he leave behind, you see? And the other beggar says to him, all of it. <laughs> all of it. You see, that's the wrong perspective. However, can I tell you, there's another wrong perspective on the other end of the scale. Oh, money's filthy. Filthy lucre. Straight from the pit. Don't you dare touch money. The root of all evil. You understand? Well, you see, that's the wrong perspective. Why? Because if you and I don't have any cash, we're going to be unhappy. Amen? Not that the money makes us happy. But as my father said, at least you can be unhappy comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> but what am I saying? What is the right perspective? God wants us to have money so we can be effective on earth. Am I right? Can you see that? Without it, you're done for. You can't do much. You can't do much. If you want to suffer, that's fine. But you see, without having any resources, you're going to force other people around you to suffer as well. What is the right perspective? Get that money to work for you. Amen? For the kingdom of heaven's sake. Let me tell you, if you have the right perspective with money, God will be able to bless you and I with lots and lots. Can you all say amen? amen. You're all getting very quiet on me here. I could spend a whole morning on that subject alone. 
But once again, please note, the right perspective will actually help you and I navigate life. Amen? We get so caught up with money, it'll kill us. We try and get rid of it so much, it'll also kill us. God doesn't want that. He wants life. The life is in the middle. The right perspective. Money is there to be used and enjoyed. God's given us all things to what? Enjoy. That's quite a statement, isn't it? He says he's given us all things. <laughs> I like that. I don't know about you lot. <laughs> I, like, I, I fancy a few things. Let's move on. I know we're running out of time. Okay. What's number five? Covenant. Covenant relationships. Let me tell you something. This is the key strategy of the devil. You know what? Very often he puts a whole lot of very beautiful thoughts out there for you. You know what the sting in the tail is? Just break covenant. Just break covenant. That woman who went off with these men, what is the sting in the tail? The devil said, listen, you can have this wonderful life. You're not having this wonderful life, but you can have this wonderful life. You can go and have wonderful meals, wonderful shows, wonderful clothes. You can have all of that. What do you have to do, though? One little thing. Just break your covenant with your, your husband. Just break the covenant. Now, let me just explain something about this covenant, and we need to get it. Strength five. Covenant is very important to God. Covenant speaks about relationship with people. All right? Covenant relationship with people. And can I just say this? The devil's big trick is to get you and I in a situation where we've offered everything, but what is the little catch? Break this covenant, you see. Let me tell you something about covenant breakers. Do you know what the actual catch is? And this is so important to grasp. The moment you have broken covenant, now please, there is a time when other people mess up, you're entitled to walk away from it. Amen? You are a, there is a place where you can walk away from covenant. If other people have broken the covenant and it's not your fault, it dissolves. The covenant actually dissolves. But if you and I break covenant, do you know what happens? When I was at school, everybody used to laugh at me. Well, it's not the only reason they laughed at me, but as a teacher, two important items of equipment, critical apart from pens and all that stuff, is a pair of sharp scissors and a decent stapler. So I went to the shops to buy a decent stapler. And the, in my ignorance, I see, I think it was CNA at that stage, there was a silver object that was a stapler. And I bought it, you see, because it was quite reasonably priced. <laughs> Only to discover that it worked perfectly as a stapler, but that was the stapler that they use in a laundry. <laughs> in a laundry, they want to staple the label to the clothes going through. That's what they use, you see. I bequeathed it to Southern High by mistake, by the way, but that was the end of my statement. Why am I telling you this? Well, you know what happens in the spirit world. You and I break covenant. You know what happens? The devil is able to take one of those staplers and staple to us a little label. Covenant breaker. Do you know that? And the moment that happens, unless you and I repent and restore, he's got us. Did you know that? He can do whatever he likes with us. Isn't that frightening? So I'm just warning us, brothers and sisters, when it comes to covenant with people, anything, when there's covenant involved, when the devil comes and says, listen, you know, you're working for this company and they've been good to you, but this other company is going to give you so much more and free transport and cars and 
all of this stuff. But what have you got to do? Just tell the boss, look, thank you, but no, thank you. Now, I'm not saying we don't move on in life. Please don't get me wrong. There's a way to do it. You understand? But please bear in mind, covenant is critically important. And the moment you and I get branded as covenant breakers, spiritually, we become dead. Shocking, but that's the truth. You see, what's the right perspective? That's why for Janet and our relationships are critically important. If a relationship breaks down as far as possible, it's not our responsibility. Amen? Amen. Please, brothers and sisters, this is important stuff. I'm almost getting there. Number six is calling. Right? If you and I know our calling, you see, what is the right perspective in any situation, anything that comes your way? What is this going to do for what I am called to do? Amen? What is this going to do for what I am called to do? Amen? Can you see that? That's the right perspective. Joseph knew there was a dream involved. This is going to wreck that dream. No, no, I won't do it. Can you see that? So important. Of course, it means that you and I need to know what we're called to do. And that's a big thing in our lives. But let me just say this. Once you and I have tapped into what God has called us to do, we need to hold on to that. That needs to become our perspective. Can you see the right perspective is what will this do for what God has called me to do? We were going through quite a difficult time, nothing new, but I just thought, well, look, I had contact with this great ministry and there was a pastor there who traveled all over the world. I thought he was in Midran. Let me just go and speak to this man. Get some counsel. Not a bad thing, by the way. So off I go. And I go to him in this big setup there and there's a coffee shop and I got free coffee. That's what I did get. I got free coffee. And we're sitting there and I'm telling him my long, sad tale of woe. And he's looking at me. He wasn't really listening, I discovered later, but he was sort of going through the motions of caring for this poor, unfortunate minister of the gospel who obviously had lost his way. You see? And anyway, I come to the end and he, he puts his cup down and his coffee cup down. And he says, you know what? I see that you've got an orphan spirit. You know what an orphan spirit is? You're on your own, boy, doing your own thing. And then he sort of insinuated that what I needed to do was tie up with his organization, you see. This would be the way to the promised land. So anyway... I was a bit confused. I said, thank you very much for your time and your coffee. And I started this drive home. You know what came to my mind? As wonderful as it is to belong to other churches, and we have in the past, we're not against that. I realized something. If I had to do what he had suggested I do, you know what I would have had to have done? Do you know what I would have had to have done? The vision that God has placed in my heart, I'd have to put it on hold. Can you see that? And something inside of me revolted about that. Revolted. That's what I'm talking about here. Driving home on the side, there was these big storm drains. They were building a road, culverts underneath. And I drove, and the thought came to my mind. I thought to myself, I'd rather live in that storm drain, sleep there, then give up what God's told me to do. Amen? And I walked in the door, I told Janet what he'd said, 
and it took her exactly two seconds to knock that foolishness out of my brain. No way, it's orphan spirits of foot. But what am I saying? Brothers and sisters, you see, when you and I have a calling on our lives, every decision we make, every opportunity that comes our way, we've got to look at it, hold it up in the light of what we have got to do. Can you see that? That is the right perspective. That is the right paradigm. Having the right perspective on things, on life. Where I live. There's a lot of places I'd like to live. Did you know that? I have five words from God every day about moving to Cape Town. (laughs) The location is not exact, but it's close to Clifton Beach. You understand? Every single day he speaks these words into my ears. Oh, Graham, they have need of thee down there. Guess what? (laughs) I know exactly where that comes from. Amen. Why? doesn't type with what I know I am called to do. Do you get it? Can you see that? It's so important. The right perspective is, no, what am I called to do? Get a few invitations now and then to go and share the word here, there, everywhere. Do I jump in my car? I'm on my way! Now, I'm not saying that I won't do that in the future, but right now, that's not what I'm called to do. You understand, huh? Done, they've been there, got the t-shirt, traveling around, preaching the word. These me cold at the moment. At the moment. But you understand, it's not what I'm called to do. You can get so wrapped up with the wrong perspective. You think, oh my soul, I must be something special. Everybody wants to hear me speak. What am I called to do? Does this line up with it? That's the right perspective. Finally, what is the right perspective in dealing with people? Reading 1 Corinthians 13, just recently again, and that whole story about you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the prophecy and all that stuff, but love in the middle of it. You see, love. And in dealing with people and with God and with ourselves, it's so important to have the right perspective. And let me tell you, the right perspective is a perspective of love. Did you know that? Am I doing this because I love God? That's the right perspective. Am I doing this because I love myself? Now listen carefully. Once again, loving ourselves has two sides to it, a good and a bad side. It's wrong to love ourselves in the sense of, oh, we're so wonderful, more important than everybody else. Stand aside. Here I come. You understand that? That's not right. But on the other side of the coin, we have to love ourselves for who God made us. Amen? We have to learn to do that. That's the right perspective. We're not useless trash. We're very valuable to God. Can you see that? That is the right perspective. We need to rejoice in what He's given us. Amen? We need to rejoice in the giftings and the attributes and whatever He has given us. You see? And then, of course plan to murder those who've got what we don't have. (laughs) I'm joking, don't worry. No, but you understand. Do you know what? If you and I don't love ourselves, we can't love other people. Did you know that? You can't do it. Love your brother as you love your? So if you don't love yourself, you can't. If you hate yourself, guess what? You become dysfunctional. Amen? 
We are beautifully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah. We need to love ourselves. And that's the right perspective. Have the right perspective about yourself. You're nothing different from everybody else, you know, exception. You're just the way God wants you to be. Amen. Don't get to this whole thing of, I'm number one in the world. Stand back here. I come. No. On the other hand, don't think I'm just a miserable offender, a miserable rat over here. What's the right perspective? God's made me as I am. Let me rejoice in that and go ahead. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. We need to learn how to do that. We need to learn to love others. Let me tell you, that's so important. When you and I are dealing with other people, what is the issue? What is the right perspective? Am I doing this because I love them? There was an occasion I was sitting there and there was some action I was contemplating doing. And this had been going on for some time now. And I said, Lord, I need to go and get this done, you see, involve other people. And I said to him, well, why is it taking so long? Because I'm not going to do anything until I feel that you give me the green light. I'm not going to do it. You know what he said to me? You can't do it now because your heart isn't right. How's that? Amen? You see, what I was planning to do is all very scriptural, straight from the living word of God. Hallelujah. Amen? But you and I can do things that are biblically based, but we can cause damage. Why? Because wrong perspective. We're doing this to hit people over the head with the Bible and get them to think the way we do. Not going to work. Amen? What had to happen? What has to happen? The change, the attitude comes right, and then what? We're ready to operate. Amen? Ready to operate. What's the issue? When you and I are involved with people and we want to take certain actions, ask yourself, am I operating from the right perspective? Is this because God's love is in me and I really want the blessing for other people? Amen? Whatever action it might be. The right perspective is, what does God feel about this? Amen? Do we love him enough to do what we have to do even if we don't want to do it? See, that's the issue, isn't it? And if we don't have the right perspective, what will happen? We won't do it. Amen? Can you see that? We'll go the way we want to go. And never, never, the way we want to go, will it bring fruit, will it bring life. Unless it's in terms of the right perspective. And you see, what we need to come to is the place where what we want to do is the right thing. Amen? Can you see that? It's just automatically what we want to do. I only want to do what will help what God's called me to do. Do you understand? I don't want to do anything else. Does that make sense? And that makes things a lot easier for me. Can I tell you? Because I don't spend two seconds wondering, should I do this or should I do that? You get it? Should I do this? Should I go there? Should I? Not interested. You understand? What does God want me to do? And how will I know? Well, what I'm called to do, the right perspective is to try and see it as best we can through his eyes. Right? See how he sees it. How does he see this whole thing? How does he see our church? How does he see our lives? How does he see my business? How does he see what I'm doing? How does he look at it? Amen? What's his perspective on it? 
Once we get that into our spirit and we start operating like that, can I tell you, success is guaranteed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 